Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. of the Christmas story that I don't know that we often visit during the Christmas season uh, and talk to you about tis the season of worship or tis the season for worship. And so if you would look with me at Matthew chapter number two and uh, let's begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says this. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Which that phrase is interesting to me because it says that all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Uh, the reason why I find that interesting is because sometimes I think we give Herod a bad rap as being this evil guy who, who I mean, it's not a bad rap, it's accurate, all right? But um, we almost think that it's just Herod that had the problem. But the truth is, is that according to scripture, it says that all Jerusalem was troubled with him. And so um, obviously they had some things that they were worried about being upheaved and, and changed as well. And so then in verse number four, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people uh, together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet. And now Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, capital G, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he, had, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star, star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also, which we understand is not uh, what he actually desired to do. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. I want you to go back and look at verse number 11 with me. Uh, let's don't read it out loud together because it is a lengthy verse and sometimes those commas really throw us for a loop. But uh, let's, let me read it to you and you just read along and follow. It says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Let's talk for the next couple minutes about tis the season for worship. Tis the season for worship. Let's pray and bless the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, we thank you uh, just that you are a God who is worthy of our worship. Uh, really, it, it, it is inconceivable to us as human beings how big and how great of a God you are. And rather than cower in fear, we understand that as Christians and as uh, people that have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, we 
are called to worship you. And so may we see you for who you are. May we be willing to sacrifice. May we be willing to follow you in faith and worship you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Worship is something uh, that is actually a very trendy item in today's society. Uh, it's talked a lot about uh, in churches. It's talked a lot about in congregations. It's talked a lot about in Christianity. And uh, you'll see people during the Christmas season that will say, well, join me for Christmas worship. Or uh, sometimes you'll see something about a night of worship and, and all of these things. And what you actually have to understand about worship is this is that worship is not a gathering as much as it is a recognition. I want to say that again because I think that sometimes we miss it. Worship is not a gathering as much as it is a recognition. You can worship in a group. In fact, that's what we call our church services as worship services because that is the goal of them is that whether you are lost or whether you are saved, that you would begin to see God for who he is and that the, that the saved person would respond by following in obedience and changing something in their life and that the, that the lost person would respond by saying, oh, this is a great God and, and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Our goal in those services is worship, but worship does not occur just because you gather. Worship occurs because you recognize. Worship occurs because you step back and you see that God is who he is and that you see him in his greatness and you see him in his glory. Isaiah chapter number six is to me one of the greatest passages that really describes worship. I won't take the time, we won't take the time to go and read it, but the reason why I love Isaiah six is that Isaiah gets a glimpse into the, the throne room of heaven. He sees the angels crying, holy, 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 if you refer back to that passage, if you know it. And his immediate response to the worship and to, to the, the goodness of God and how he worships is this. He begins to say, Lord, I am unworthy. I'm undone. He sees what is wrong with him, but then he also goes into a mode of surrender. This is where the verse, the, uh, he says, behold, here am I, send me. And so he, he surrenders his life. And sometimes what we like to do is we like to assume that because we gathered, we worshiped. And in this passage, I think that you'll see three very unique characteristics of worship during this season. The first one that I want you to see is this, is worship is seeing God for who he is. Worship is seeing God for who he is. Look at verse number one. It says this, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. We have seen his star in the east and we are come to worship him. When I was in college, one of the things that um, we were taught very heavily to learn was the deity of Christ, how to defend the deity of Christ. One of the things that makes your Christian faith very unique is this, is there are many people who believe in a God. There are many people who believe in the Bible. There are many people who believe in Jesus as a historical character, and maybe as a person or as a good man or as a teacher. But what makes Christianity distinct and different is the fact that Jesus was and is God. And one of the verses that, you, that we were, once again, drilled into our heads and into our hearts was Matthew chapter number 2, verse 2. And the reason why I was drilled in is because you only worship that which you see as being above you. No one worships anything that is of the same level. We worship that which we see as 
theistic. We worship that which we see as God. We worship that which we see as better than us. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've ever watched in it, maybe a basketball game or, or something. Uh, I have this distinct memory of um, we got to play a team that was way better than us. And, uh, and so after the game, which actually a lot of teams were way better than us, but we got to play a team that was way, way, way better than us. And so they had like all, like all five guys that were on their starting five could dunk. And so after the game, we just like, we thought they were like superstars. Like it was like, man, this is like, this is our chance to meet an NBA player. Like actually one of them did sign with the Harlem Globetrotters. So that was kind of cool. But um, anyway, so after the game, they were like out messing around in the court. When we went up and we were talking to them. Well, they just started like throwing down. Like, like they were dunking all like throwing alley-oops to each other. It's like, wow, this is sweet. Like this is like your own private dunk contest. And so I remember that they were doing it and they were throwing them off the backboard. And like this one kid, he, he took off from just inside the free throw line and he touched the ball to the back of his foot and then dunked it. Well, I remember the kid that I was sitting by, he was like a younger kid on our team. He, he starts going like this and he's like bowing down and he goes, unworthy, unworthy. And I'm like, okay, that's probably like too. But it's because you look at all of us and it's like, well, we're not going to do that. So, so you worship that which is ahead of you, right? You worship that which is above you, that which you cannot do, that which you cannot fathom. And so please listen to this. If Jesus is God, then that means that he is worthy of our worship. This verse is not just something to where, oh, well, let's just breeze over that. These were wise men coming to worship. No, this is a proof text of the fact that Jesus was God, meaning this. That when you celebrate Christmas, you're not celebrating a baby in a manger. That's part of the story. When you celebrate Christmas, you're not celebrating just, oh, this beautiful story of Luke chapter number 2 and the, the virgin birth of a baby. You are celebrating, please don't miss this, God and heaven coming to earth. And so often we miss that. We've relegated Christmas down to this just, oh, well, that's just part of the story. Let's put our manger scene out. Let's put our nativity scene out. Let's put our, our unbiblical wise men next to the nativity scene, all right? If you want a biblical nativity scene this, this year, you put the wise men further out from the nativity scene, like they're traveling, and you just scoot them closer every day, all right? But it actually takes two years, all right? So you got to keep it up year around and just scoot them closer every year. Some of you are like, too early for that joke, all right? Um, if you ever wonder the kind of debates that we have in staff meeting, we have been debating having a big nativity scene on Franklin Road for a very long time. And the only reason why we haven't is because we know that if we put wise men out, half of our church will quit because it's unbiblical. And so we're going to start at MAPCO and just scoot them closer every um, <laughs> But when you look at this verse, these are not just wise men that are coming to see a baby in a manger. They were coming because he was the king of the Jews. And I want you to see this. They were coming to worship him. They saw that something was different. They saw a star in the east. So I want you to listen for just a second. Let's apply this. What have you seen recently from your heavenly father that caused you to worship him? These wise men saw a star and they knew that something was different. What have you seen in your life from your heavenly father that you say that calls me to worship him maybe it's some sort of blessing that's been given into your life maybe it's some sort of extra strength maybe it's that you trusted him in a difficult time and he showed himself strong in your life maybe it's just the little things along the way that you say god this has caused me to worship you 
And one of the reasons why church services are dead is not because you need more lively, jivey music. One of the reasons why church services are dead is because we have failed to see who God is. And so when we sing about him, we're singing about a stranger, not about a friend. We're singing about someone that we don't know and that we have not personally experienced. And worship is us seeing God for who he is and saying, Lord, the only thing that I can do is worship you. But I want you to notice that not only is worship seeing God for who he is, but then secondly, I want you to see this, is that worship comes with gifts. Worship comes with gifts. It's interesting to me that these wise men, without any Bible passage, without anything, that, without any instructions, without any baby registry, knew to... Thank you for the one giggle over there. I don't know who that was. All right. But without any of those things, they knew that if we're coming to worship a king, we're going to bring gifts. And I think sometimes we read through that and we, we see gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we're like, well, I don't have that. All right. And then there's the meme about, I should have used that for meme of the week. All right. It's the meme about the, the fourth wise man that you didn't hear about because he brought fruitcake. Okay. Like that's everybody's favorite meme at this time of the year. All right. But you hear about all of these things. You look at this and you see gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Like, well, I don't have that, and I can't give this, and I can't. Worship comes with gifts. It comes with giving. And I want you to please, please don't misinterpret what I'm about to say. Okay. This is not a this is not a lesson against anyone. But if we show up to a church service, a gathering, like what we said, and we worship, and we, we're not really a hand-waving, hand-raising church, okay? But you raise your hands in worship, and you, oh, God is so good, and you're, and you're just got all teary. I'm like, oh, I just have enjoyed the worship today. Okay, good. Now, please, please stop for just a second. Worship is always followed by action. And in this case, worship is followed with gifts. And sometimes what we are guilty of as a generation, okay, let's just cast a broad net over the people in this room. Not the people in this room, people in the world, okay? Um, but sometimes what we are guilty of is we're guilty of saying, oh, well, I just, I just have enjoyed the worship today. Okay, please watch this. If you truly worshiped, it will be followed by sacrifice. I don't have much to say for a worship leader or someone who, who can say, like, I'm going to lead God's people in worship. And yet you never see them giving of their time or of their finances or, or of their energy to go and reach other people. I, I'm not a huge proponent of someone who says, well, I, I, really, I really enjoyed the worship, or I, I wish that we could worship God this way, or I wish that we sang this worship song, or I wish we did that. Okay, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that if it's not going to be followed by us saying, you know what, my worship and seeing God for who he is has caused me to sacrifice something in my life. If you can sit through a church service and say that you sang a song and you worshiped God and that you worshiped God through the preaching and, that, and then you never give, and I'm not talking about like 10% check, I'm, not talking about, I'm just talking about generically right now. But if you're unwilling to change anything in your life, you did not worship. 
you gathered. You were in a place where maybe others were worshiping, but you did not worship because true worship comes with sacrifice and with gifts and with saying, Lord, what can I do? Because of who you are, because of what I've seen, because of how great you are, what can I do? Maybe that means giving something up. Maybe that means doing something for him. Maybe that means serving someone else. But true worship is always followed by sacrifice and gifts. And then the last thing that I want you to see is this, is that worship is followed by obedience. So worship is seeing God for who he is. Worship comes with gifts, but worship is followed by obedience. In verse number 12. I find this so interesting, and I want to take the time to kind of explain it. So if you'll let me dive deep for 30 seconds, and then I'll, get you, I'll, I'll bring you back to the shallow end, okay? But it says this, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. I am not convinced that the people that we see in this passage that we refer to as the wise men were followers of the one true God, Jehovah. I think you can make a case for either one of two things. That they were maybe students of the word of God. Many believe that they were historians. Many believe that maybe they were studying uh, in some sort of college or whatever, and so they're seeing these prophecies. But they heard a, a warning from God. And the truth is, is that based off of their nationality and based off of their faith system and based off of whatever, they were not responsible to respond to that. But by coming and meeting Jesus, please listen to this. Please, 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 please do not miss this, okay? By coming and worshiping Jesus, there was a new desire for obedience. And one of the things that we have failed to see, I think that right now there is more conversation about worship than in any other society in history, okay? Stinking Murfreesboro, Tennessee has about 12 worship radio stations, okay? We have as many worship stations as we have country stations, and that's saying something because we have like 4,500 of those because we're outside Nashville, okay? Your radio is packed with worship, okay? College campuses host worship. There's all of this talk about worship, okay? But please listen. Worship is followed by obedience. So why in the world is worship so prevalent and yet obedience is not? It's because there's simply a gathering or it's done in name only because worship and seeing God for who he is and seeing Jesus Christ for what he has done for you will always, always lead you to obedience. It does not lead you to a more carnal lifestyle. It leads you to a less carnal lifestyle. It does not lead you to a life that looks less like Christ. It leads you to a life that looks more like Christ. And I want you to catch this last little tidbit, okay? Herod had the same option to follow the star as what these men did. Have you ever thought about that? 
Herod had the same option to go and worship Jesus the same way that these men did. And yet, for whatever reason, he was unwilling to sacrifice his time, his effort. He was just purely threatened by it. Why? Because worship changes who you are when you see God for who he is. And Herod did not want to change who he was. He did not want to change where he was at or what he was doing. And so, please watch. That meant that there was no worship that came from him. And yet these wise men, being warned of God, had a choice. Like I said, oh, no, that, we're, we're going to give honor to the king. We're going to go, the king who's in place right now, we're going to go back and see him. They had, there was a lot of danger in doing what they did for something that they probably did not know very much about. You and I look back at it and we're like, yeah, the wise men were great. They were geniuses. Okay. They had, that was a tough choice. And yet these men chose to say, because of what we've seen in this child, we're going to obey the God of this voice that we hear. We're going to obey this God of this dream. And we are going to avoid worshiping a man and continue to worship God. And so here's what I want you to close, want to close with. This season is a lot of different things. But I think more than anything, it should be a season where we stop and we say, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to see him for who he is. I'm going to be willing to give him, give of, give to him, give of myself, of things that I wouldn't do any other season. But I'm also going to follow in obedience. I'm not just going to worship and gather. I'm going to recognize him for who he is and for what he's done. And I'm going to follow and obedience to the word of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray and we'll be done. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.